What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Okay, so Pranshu, my understanding is that before we start this interview, that you have something that you want to play for me. Yeah, so I want you to imagine that it's late January and you're in New Hampshire and there's a political primary about to happen literally days away and you're a voter. This is my colleague Pranshu Verma. He covers technology for The Post. You know, you have no idea who you're going to vote for or whether you're going to go vote, but you kind of think that maybe you should. And then you get this call on your cell phone. What a bunch of malarkey. We know the value of voting Democratic when our votes count. It's important that you save your vote for the November election. We'll need your help in electing Democrats up and down the ticket. Voting this Tuesday only enables the Republicans in their quest to elect Donald Trump again. Your vote makes a difference in November, not this Tuesday. If you would like to be removed from future calls, please press 2 now. Wait, so, so this is a message that was left for voters in New Hampshire, and that's Biden talking, saying to not vote in the primary? Yeah. Is what? That doesn't make sense. Yeah, because it's not real. It's actually an AI deepfake of Biden's voice. And it was sent out to about somewhere between five to 20,000 voters. Really? And it was intended to mislead people. Wait, but it sounds so real. I mean, that sounds like Biden. It does. And you notice, uh, you know, he starts the call saying malarkey, right? A catchphrase (laughs) of his. And it's kind of hard for a normal person to be like, no, this isn't Biden. So you can easily imagine this being used by bad faith actors to suppress votes. As the campaign season heats up, election officials and experts are worried about the way that AI deepfakes are muddying our sense of what is real. And this isn't just happening in the U.S., Just this week, the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, said that deepfake audio of him making inflammatory remarks almost caused, quote, serious disorder. In elections around the world, we have seen evidence of deepfakes, or what politicians say are deepfakes, messing with voters' heads. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Thursday, February 15th. Today, Pranchu and I talk about the intersection of AI and politics and how politicians are using the threat of deepfakes to undercut our sense of reality. So going back to the Biden example, who was behind that deepfake? Like, where did it come from? So we just recently learned a little more. Uh, The New Hampshire Attorney General, a Republican, John Formella, said that it was this Texas company called LifeCorp and a man named Walter Monk. 
And they were behind this AI-generated robocall. Who are they? So we don't know yet who exactly they are. Life Corporation has been under investigation by the federal regulators in the past for deceptive robocalling. And Walter Monk, we're trying to figure out, but there is some reporting to believe has ties to the Republican Party. But but it, what matters is that it took several weeks to figure this out. We talked to an AI deepfake expert, and one of the biggest worries here was if you can't figure out how to stop this in the moment, the damage is done. Hmm. Our system is just not fully equipped yet to both stop it in the moment or regulate it away so that people don't do it in the future yet. We're still figuring out how to do that. I want to talk a little bit more about the technology side sure. of this. Um, do we know, like, what was the the either the technology or the AI platform that was used for this ad or can be used for other similar types of deepfakes? Um, and, and are people allowed to make fake messages from the president using this technology? So the New Hampshire attorney general in his investigation did not identify the company that was used to make this deepfake. But we have talked to several analysts who are professional deepfake voice decoders, and they brought it back to a company that we were not surprised to hear the name of um, called Eleven Labs. And Eleven Labs is recently a unicorn. It's a $1.1 billion valuation company, just mm-hmm. raised about $80 million a few weeks ago from a fancy venture capital firm called Andreessen Horowitz. And it re- it creates a tool that anyone can use if you pay $5 to upload 30 to 40 seconds of somebody's voice sample. And then you can type in the text box what you want that voice to say and the technology will make that voice say it. And you just got to click a little box to say that you're not using this for deceptive purposes. Hmm. Um, and that indemnifies the company for the most part. But as we can see, that that doesn't really stop people from doing this. Pranchi, before you go any further, I do need to mention, um, I just learned shortly before this interview that the audio articles on our website, on WashingtonPost.com, where you can like listen to a voice, read an article for you, they're actually made by Eleven Labs. So it does seem like this technology is pretty widespread to the extent that we are using them. Yeah, that's not surprising, right? Like, you listen to our articles and they sound real. They definitely sound high quality. So this is a company that's kind of one of the best in the business. Wow. So you mentioned that there are questions around uh, how widely accessible this is, how people who are up to no good can use this technology for deceptive purposes, but also they can use social media to disseminate this kind of stuff. And I'm curious what the tech platforms like X, like Meta, have to say about this and the fact that their platforms have been used to disseminate these kinds of deepfakes. You know, like if I'm X or Meta, and I have policies in place, right? Like there are policies in place to not disseminate manipulated fake content. But when the rubber meets the road and this stuff actually gets onto these platforms, they're failing at following their own rules and stopping this stuff in real time. You know, just a few days ago, Taylor Swift had 
deepfake nudes mm-hmm. generated of her put on to X. And it took initially Taylor Swift's online army, right, to like flood the hashtags where her nudes were posted and putting like actual real photos of her on there to like drown out the explicit content. That's not how you regulate this type of stuff. And it was Taylor Swift, so it became a news story. And then the tech companies took action. So, you know, in every way, shape, and form, we see that these companies have policies on the books, but it's hard for them to regulate in real time unless it's something that is so massively notable, and then they do. And, you know, there's some reasons for that. And one of the main reasons that a lot of experts point to is that it's bad for business, right? Like content that goes viral is good for these platforms. And so what is actually the incentive for you, especially if you have laws that that shield social media companies from being liable for the content that's on their platforms, you know, what is the actual incentive to stop content that brings eyeballs. But isn't there potential for laws to step in here too, not just aimed at at um, some of these AI companies or at social media companies, but just, I mean, we have laws around um, campaigns and, and uh, what can and cannot be done. Um, has Congress looked into this, passing something that's just like you can't use deepfakes to make, um, to impersonate politicians and, uh, and spread that widely? Yeah, so there's no federal deepfake law that currently exists. Now, there are uh, attempts to introduce them into Congress. Um, What we're actually seeing, however, is a little bit more activity on the state level. We've seen, I think, as of January, there are about 14 states in the country that have introduced deepfake laws that would prevent from election misinformation. You know, they're all still in various stages of, you know, becoming a law, not, you know, but they kind of fall into two buckets, which are either these laws allow you to use AI in election-related content, but you have to have disclosures, or you are just outright banned for using this technology. After the break, Pranchu and I talk about how politicians are using the existence of deepfakes to get out of real scandals and gaffes. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. 
So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. So, Pranchu, based on your reporting, I think it has become clear to me that perhaps we should be worried about how AI is being used in politics, whether we can trust that uh, videos that we're seeing online of, of candidates or even hearing on the phone, you know, whether that is in fact real. But I also wonder if one of the risks here is almost like the flip side of the scenarios that we've heard so far, um, where there is something real that happened, something that a politician said or did, but that they can pretend that it was fake or a deep fake or created with AI. Yeah, it's called the liar's dividend. The liar's dividend. The liar's dividend, yeah. That would be a good movie title. It would be a good movie title. But so what does the liar's dividend mean? So the liar's dividend is basically like you have the ability to say something is AI when it's not. So now let's go back to 2016. Hmm. Uh, Access Hollywood tape of Trump leaks. The grab by, by the, the yeah, yes. you know. Audio AI was not that good in 2016, but if that happened today, the liar's dividend essentially means Trump could very likely have just said, that's not my voice, that's AI, when it actually was his voice. So it distorts reality because you no longer know what is real and what is not because you have this very believable excuse that something is AI even when it's not, just because the technology has gotten to the point where it has tricked people. Mm -hmm. That we know that it is actually good enough to make that thing, even if the thing is real. Correct. Have we seen that happen so far where politicians have been able to use AI as an excuse of, oh, this thing actually isn't real? Several times. Already, several times. Mm -hmm. So let's start with Trump again. Ads from the Lincoln Project are made that highlight Trump's gaffes on the um, campaign trail. Hmm. And wow. An anomalous, really an anomalous country and you deserve. Are you sure you don't have dementia? You keep confusing things. And we did with Obama. We won an election. Getting the facts wrong. We just left pleasure. Paradise. People laugh about it, about you. And Trump automatically says... This is AI. This isn't real. And we know that those are real moments in those ads that yeah. have been actually recorded from Trump at rallies. At rallies. Yes, absolutely. They've been fact-checked. People have seen them in real life. They were all stitched together in an ad to embarrass Trump. And that was his excuse. You know, we talk about global elections. There's a national election in Taiwan, right, that, that happened. And a few months before that, there was a, a ruling party member allegedly caught on a grainy hotel footage of entering a hotel with a woman. Um, we don't know if it's real. We don't know if it's fake. But the commentators and the ruling party allies of this politician said it was AI. They're, again, muddying kind of the waters of reality. Um, and then back up a few months before that, there was an audio clip that leaked of an Indian politician in South India. They made more money going here than they left on the left. Saying that his party was a part of a multi-billion dollar scam. And now it's getting to be a problem how to handle it, how to get 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 it
And lo and behold, once again, we don't know if it's true. We don't know if it's false. But what the excuse was is that it was an AI-generated hit job on this politician. And so all of these examples show that there's something in Trump's case that was true and in these other cases potentially true. But the excuse that AI gives is to completely wipe it away. Hmm. And it's coming at such a dangerous moment, right? Like, this already feels like a time when we no longer share a, a same truth, you know, that that um, people are having more difficulty understanding facts and what is reality, what is not, and that this muddies that even further, that it really questions the nature of truth and makes it hard to understand what even is true. Yeah, I mean, we were talking to an analyst, and I think she put it very well where she said that, you know, it destabilizes the concept of truth itself. And if everything could be fake, and if everyone's claiming everything is fake or manipulated in some way, like, what is actual truth? There's really no sense of a shared truth anymore. And what are the potential implications of that? I mean— When you have a democracy and you're debating the merits of somebody's character and positions and public presence, having a a shared set of facts is very important. We've already seen how echo chambers on the right and the left as well can perpetuate misinformation and disinformation. And so we already know that there's sometimes not a shared sense of facts. But it used to be that if you saw something and you heard something— that actually meant that that something happened. Now you see something and you hear something and you no longer have the surety that it actually happened or somebody's preying on your doubts and saying it didn't when it actually did. Is there a way to kind of suss that out? Like, does the technology exist to be able to separate out this is, in fact, a real recording, a real video, real audio versus this is a deep fake? Like, does the the AI leave any fingerprints that can be detected? Yeah. So there is an entire movement to watermark, they call it, basically creating a digital fingerprint to prove that something is either AI or real. There's also an entire coalition meant to create a set of code or a provenance of truth embedded in audio and video that would help people understand or the investigators understand whether this is real or not quickly. But again, it's also only as good as the technology companies using those things in real time um, and robustly um, and the algorithms not spreading this type of content so quickly like wildfire. Um, And that's kind of the area where we aren't seeing as much action um, because, to be frank, as experts have told us, some of this stuff is pretty profitable. It it drives traffic. It drives content. It drives, you know, chaos and division. And that is something that brings eyeballs and brings users to a platform. And I'm curious, like, are there actual uh, clues or things that you can look for to be able to spot a deepfake, just like a regular person experiencing media out in the world? Yeah, you can. Um, It's harder and harder to do. Um, But for images, um, you know, look carefully at some things that AI is 
getting better at doing but not as good at doing, such as replicating your hands. Sometimes you'll see like six fingers on somebody's hand, right? Or like, you know, fingers that are super long that just wouldn't be realistic. Oh, no. Right? So like look for that type of stuff or, you know, just some weird little lack of like, you know, the skin looks just a little too perfect. Um, Again, it's harder, but, you know, there are clues there in images. And for audio, um, you know, still trust your ears. Like, you know, if 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 there's like a, a vocal blip, or if there's a if there's a voice that makes a an error in a word that that person normally wouldn't make an error in, um, you know, be a little bit discerning about how real this actually is. And and when your gut kind of tells you, ah, that doesn't sound right, lean into that a little bit and maybe listen to it a little bit more. Don't just automatically accept that this is whatever you say it is, which is dangerous, but, you know, you still want to trust your eyes and ears as much as possible. Um, It's low fashion and old tech, but I think it's still the best kind of thing that we have um, from, like, uh, an identification standpoint. I also feel like we need to use this as an opportunity to point out that, like, this is also the importance of trusted news organizations as well, right? That, like, when you see something that might be fake or a thing on your in a, 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 a potential voicemail message or a photo online, that cross-referencing that with trusted news sources to see, like, is this actually a thing that Trump did or said? Is this a thing that Biden did or said that, you know, we have a responsibility to, and I think are carrying out that responsibility to be clear um, when things are real or fake and running down the truth and being able to provide that clarity to people who might be coming across these images or these recordings? Yeah, one one million percent, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Trust the news. (laughs) Pranchu, how worried do you think I should be about all of this? It's probably more worrisome than than maybe many of us thought, you know, even a few months ago. Hmm. Um, certainly more worrisome than uh, two years ago before the, the rise in generative AI. And so I think that it's valid to be concerned and be asking questions about what people both in power and companies are going to do to stop this. Because it could actually have um, more impacts than previously thought. Franchu, thank you so much for bringing us this story. I think it's really important for people to hear, so appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Pranchu Verma is a technology reporter for The Post. So this story clearly had me second-guessing myself on the challenges of separating what's real and what's fake when it comes to AI. But then I took this quiz that was created by our colleagues on the graphics team here at The Post, and it's about breakup texts, like the texts that you get sent when someone's saying they're just not that into you. So what they did is they collected real text messages submitted by Washington Post readers who had either been dumped or been doing some dumping. Then they elicited fake text breakup conversations written by OpenAI's GPT-4. And the challenge was to choose which ones were real and which ones were fake. So I will tell you, of the nine text conversations that I looked at at this quiz, I only got five right, which was genuinely shocking to me and probably tells you something about the powers of AI or how oblivious I am when I'm getting dumped. Uh, But if you too want to feel shook by your inability to tell whether you're being broken up with by a person or a robot, you should definitely take this quiz. You can find a link in our show notes or at postreports.com. 
And of course, this is as good a time as any to become a subscriber to The Washington Post. To do that, go to WashingtonPost.com slash subscribe. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Bishop Sand. It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, The Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen.